Amen. Look at verse 7 of Galatians 6. Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now this is a passage that we are all very familiar with, and we bring it up a lot. We bring it up when it comes to people's behavior. Like, hey, you better watch what you're doing. You know, you're going to reap what you sow, and we often use this as a warning against bad behavior. Because listen, whatsoever you sow, you're going to reap that. We talk about that a lot. If people are doing the right thing, we'll use this passage. Hey, keep going. You're going to reap as long as you don't faint. And a lot of times in Paul's writings, when you get to the final chapter, you'll see him hit a lot of random topics. Like he'll just kind of, you know, just give a bunch of different final instructions. And they're not necessarily, it's not necessarily all one subject. But sometimes, you know, he will cover one thing and it'll kind of build on itself. And so while this looks like a lot of times people take this be not deceived, God is not mocked, and we use it all by itself, we need to understand that while probably 99% of the messages you're going to hear from this passage will apply to whatever situation they're trying to apply it to, I think it's worth noting the very specific reason Paul said this in the first place because we don't often talk about it in, uh, for the same reason that the Apostle Paul did. Now look at verse 1 for some context. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Remember, we're keeping in mind our job and our function as a church. If you belong here, you are not bodies in a seat. You are members of a local church and you have a function you have a job you have responsibility that you need to do and we are supposed to look out for each other we are supposed to help each other and you know people get backslidden people mess up people fall into sin and you know what we need to do we need to help them we need to restore people we need to have a ministry of restoration we don't just give up on people and throw them in the trash can we're always trying to restore people and especially if we're strong you know, you being a good Christian is not you throwing everybody away. It's you, when you're able to restore people, that actually so, shows some strength. And it's not easy. In fact, it's a burden. And the Bible says, he goes on to say, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work. And then he shall have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Now, let's talk about proving your own work. Is this talking in your day-to-day -day job? Or is this in reference to what you do in the church? Okay. This is in reference to what you do in the church. And, and you as a member of this church, while you should uh, be you know, in the business of restoring people, bearing one another's burdens, why we all should do that, we need to understand, too, that you know sometimes we might be the person who has a burden that needs bearing just a little bit. But it should be our goal, like we said this morning, where we're not the one who needs all the attention. And if you need attention, you need attention. But it should be our goal to not need attention. It should also be our goal as a Christian to not be a burden, but we pull our own weight. That we, uh, and, you know, and listen, a lot of times too, people feel bad. Maybe they need to be a burden for a little bit and they don't want to be a burden, they just leave. No, we, that's what we're here for, okay? But at the same time, help us get you to where you're not a burden 
and you're pulling your own weight and you are contributing to the good of this church. We're all keeping this in context of the church like Paul's talking about here. It says, for every man shall bear his own burden. And so me being a part of this church, while I'm trying to help other people, I want to make sure too, I'm doing my part. I'm bearing my own burden. I don't, I don't want to be a boat anchor around the neck of Liberty Baptist Church. And, and I do believe in verses 4 and 5, he's showing that it's not God's will, too, for people to be freeloaders. Some people come into church, and it's just all about, give me attention, give me attention, give me what I want, do everything to my liking. That is not the attitude we're supposed to have while they contribute nothing. You know, and it's sad, okay? I mean, I know some great, loving pastors that I think are some of the most kind, loving, compassionate people you ever meet. But, you know, even those guys, often they will talk about how their church has had a what they call blessed subtraction have you ever heard that before? A blessed subtraction? That's basically somebody who left the church and it's been a blessing. <laughs> and it's, you know, because they were so much trouble. They were such a burden. They wouldn't pull their own weight. They always had to have all the attention. They were always bringing everybody down. You don't ever want to be that person, especially. You know, you, you, know, you should at least want people to be sad when you leave the church and <laughs> not rejoicing. Uh, and, but there's people like that, that pastors are literally rejoicing because they're gone practically singing ding dong the witch is dead or something but you don't want that to be you but so every man should bear his own burden let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things now that word communicate is not used the way we use it today but it means to be a distributor or a partaker that is a word for giving that's specifically what that word is used for and he's saying if you're somebody who's taught Make sure that you communicate with those who teach in all good things. And those who labor in the word should be taken care of. In First Timothy 5.17, Paul said, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. If somebody is doing the work, of you know laboring in the word studying the word teaching the word doing all those things bible says they're worthy of double honor and that is also a reference for they, they need to be paid they need to be taken care of they need to be compensated and so uh that's what he's talking about in verse six he's talking about communicating with those who teach and all good things and then after he brings all that up he says be not deceived god is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. You say, well, he's changing the subject here. Well, are we sure? Because then in verse 10, he says, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So when we get to verse 10, we see he's still talking in context of the church and he's talking in context of, of the work of the Lord and making sure we're taking care of people. We ought to take care of the people who are a burden because maybe they're struggling and they're having faults. We need to take care of them. But we also need to take care of the ones who are laboring in the word, those who are teaching the word. We're all supposed to take care of each other. And he specifically, too, when it comes to uh, those who teach, he's referring to financially contributing. Now, and again, he uses the word communicate. Now, something that I believe every Christian, every person who is a part of a church, I do believe that they should be involved in local church giving. And I'm talking about contributing to the general fund of the church. 
And you know what? Don't even try to embarrass me about preaching on this because I'm telling you, there is so much Bible on this that it's not even funny. And I've got so much scripture, I might need to take a couple weeks. I'm going to try to get this all done tonight. But let me just show you a few passages from the Pauline epistles. Okay? Because you know what? Some of you, you're going, to go, you're going to go online where you can always find an idiot that agrees with whatever you want to believe. And you're going to find some guy that looks like a homeless dude that's never given anything to anybody talking about how tithing's an Old Testament thing and you don't have to do that anymore. Listen, boy, I, I'm going to try to see how many excuses I can cream tonight because there's a lot of excuses. And let me just say this. If you don't want to give, there isn't anybody in this world that can make you. You know why? Because the church doesn't have IRS agents. And we're not going to hire IRS agents. Okay? So, you know, you're safe. Nobody's going to make you do anything. We're preaching tonight who people who want to do God's will and love the Lord and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Okay? The rest of you, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say. But anyway, and I'm not preaching anybody. Nobody's saying all this stuff to me. I'm just treating you all like you need this. But anyway, uh, Philippians 4.14 Let's just, we're just going to look at where the word communicate is used. Philippians 4.14, Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent unto you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And that verse right there, that's not a promise to just all save people. He said this to people who were giving, to people who were communicating in his affliction, people who were uh, contributing to the work of the Lord. And he's specifically talking about monetary gifts right here. In 1 Timothy 6, 17, he says, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute... Willing to communicate. And again, this is not with the mouth. This is giving, contributing, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. That time to come, too, sounds like kind of some tough times come. You know what? Maybe one way we could start prepping a little bit is maybe giving to the work of the Lord. I think that's probably the best way a person can prep. I'm all for other prepping, too. Okay? But you know what? I hope you don't use your tithe to prep for the apocalypse. All right, you know, that, that's not good prep, prepping right there. Okay, listen, the Lord could burn your house down just like that. You know, one electrical thing go bad, and all that stuff that you prep, it's gone. But, you know, those things you give to the Lord, he's not going to forget those things. It's like, oh, I would have taken care of you during the apocalypse, but, you know, you gave all your money in the offering, so you're on your own. Good luck. Is that really how we think God's going to handle these things with us? Sometimes it's like we don't even believe in God the way people act. It's, it's really crazy. But Hebrews thirteen fifteen, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I say, oh, I can do that. I can afford that. That's all we need to do. But then he goes on to say, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. God is pleased when you give. 
God is pleased by that. It is an odor of a sweet-smelling savor. It's referred to in the Bible, which back in the Old Testament, they would, have, they would literally uh, have these incense offerings that made a smell that would go up, that was a wonderful smell, that was pleasing to God. God said, you know what? You do that same thing to me by giving. And we ought to give. And there is, there is so much Scripture in the New Testament just about giving. But what I want to do, I, I just kind of want to play whack-a-mole tonight. And speaking of whack-a-moles, I whacked one today out there got trying to take care of things and pretty excited about that but anyway you know i want to play whack-a-mole when it comes to excuses for not giving in church and i can't I said i can't possibly hit all the excuses because there's a gazillion and uh you'll never run out of them and people always find a reason not to give if they don't want to give but every member of a local new testament church should be giving in the general collections. And when I, and I'm saying that too because some people say, "Well, I, I give, but I'm going to, you know, I give to whoever I think needs it. I give when I feel like it. I give to the bums, you know, I give to the Temple Mount Institute uh, or the Salvation Army or something like that. So I, I know nobody here get, does that. But listen, you know, anyone who would teach that, anyone who would act like that, they really have no business being a part of an assembly of a church, and I'm sure, because and I don't, and I don't, I don't believe for one second that a church should throw someone out for not giving. I don't believe that because giving is a very sacred and personal thing, and and people, they're going to be at many different levels spiritually. A lot of people might be struggling, you know, with faith, and they might be going through a hard times, and there's things that they got to work through, and that's between them and God. Okay, and let me just mark it down, folks. We're not going to check up on you. We're not going to keep track who's given, you know, making sure it's, you know, making you guys show check stubs to prove you actually gave 10%. Uh, we're not going to do that. Okay. Nobody is ever going to say anything to you if you, st- if you if you stop giving. I do believe it's between you and God, but I'm not going to pretend that, you know, we, it's not wrong for you to, uh, you know, to withhold on the tithes and offerings. So, you know, just understand that. But, uh, as a church, we do want to help people move forward in their walk with God. We want to help them grow in faith. And sometimes, you know, people are going to be going through tough battles and we don't want to sit around and judge them and, you know, be picking on them because maybe they are struggling with groceries and we're like, well, you know what? You should have just put something in the offering. Well, we don't know what God's going to do. You know, that's between them and God. So again, while I'm preaching, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm preaching hard on giving tonight, we don't. We don't need to be enforcing these things and judging others in the church. I want you to take this message tonight, and I want you to judge yourself. That's what I want you to do. And so, uh, if you want somebody to though to reveal, you know, really reveal themselves and where their heart is, you can find out a lot of times by their reaction to a sermon on giving. It's interesting to watch how people get when you bring these things up. And so, uh, you know, people too they they'll say they believe in giving. But I don't believe that means we have to give in the offering, is what they say. But let me, I really want to hit several things. When I start hearing these things, I immediately know these people have no idea what a church is. They really don't. You know, the church to a lot of people is nothing more than a physical location that happens to have a building that they like, a group of people that they like, that they just choose to hang on. They don't see themselves as the church. And again, a church is, it's the people. 
And, and, and so when people say these things, they, it, it does. It reveals me they don't understand the church. And if you're, going to be a, if you're saved, you need to understand this because God wants you to be a part of it. But 1 Corinthians 16, 1 says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. First thing I want you to notice here is that a church appoints someone to oversee the giving and it's not necessary for you, for or every individual to see, or, to, or it's, not, it's not necessary to get every individual's approval on everything. Do you know how hard that would be? I mean, can you imagine if we literally did have to bring what kind of toilet paper we get before the church and have a meeting about that? And that's how it is in some, some churches too. You've got to have a meeting and a committee for everything. And it's so bad, there's so much red tape, you can't get anything done. The pastor is afraid to buy toilet bowl cleaner because it can cause a problem. You know, that's ridiculous. Okay? Now, I do. I believe in accountability. I probably believe in accountability. You know, I hate to sound like Donald Trump, but nobody is more for accountability than I am. No, no church is more transparent than this church. You know, I... You know, but, but at the same time, I get why people kind of are, you know, get the way they do about some of this stuff, because it is, it, it gets out of control. But understand, a church, you know, what they often do and what they have often done historically is they appoint somebody who does kind of oversee those things. They have treasures, or maybe the pastor oversees a lot of these things, because you can't just, you know, it is, it's just too much trouble to get everybody's opinion on every little thing. I mean, do we really need to have a talk about what brand of styrofoam cups we're going to get for the kitchen? I don't think we need to do that. I think we just need to let somebody go and take care of it. And here in this story, the Apostle Paul, notice how he's talking about their giving. And he says, when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters. He's like, you know, they were going to have somebody who was kind of in charge of the giving, handling the money, overseeing these things. And Paul said, I'm going to support your decision. On that, Why? Because the church decides these things. And so there is local church giving, or you could even call it kingdom giving. And every Christian who is a body or of that kingdom should be a partaker in that giving. And it's not necessarily up to you. Well, I'm going to, I'm just going to do, no, don't just do your own thing. Get on board with the program of the church. You're a part of this church. We should be united on things. And don't you go withholding so you can go do everything according to your will. You know what? I'm going to withhold my tithe and then I'm just going to start buying the cups for the church because I'll make a better decision than whoever the church has appointed over that type of thing. You know, that, that kind of thing is wrong. And a lot of people will do that sometimes. And, you know, I'm not going to tell people what to do with your money. But again, I mean, if you think it's important that the church have, I don't know. I mean, honestly... If you want to pay for it, you can buy whatever luxury you want for this church, you know, and we'll let you do it. But, you know, I hope you're not taking your tithe and doing that. I, I really do. I think you ought to just, I think there's a giving that we ought to just do that it's going to go to the church and let the church decide because it's not about just my program. It's not just about what I want. Even me as the pastor, I'm not going to do that. If I'm like, I kind of like to get this for the church, but the church is like, no, I think we'd be better off doing this. I'm not going to go start withholding my tithe and save up so I can go buy that and say, well, I bought it. I just bought it. 
because you all are idiots and can't make good decisions on stuff, especially if I withheld my tithe. Okay? Now, again, if the church is like this, it's too expensive, but then I just want to go above and beyond and pay for something like that. I can do that. But I think what well, I'm saying all this to show we all should get behind the program of the church. We should be of one mind. And often people who don't want to give in that way is because they're not interested in the agenda of the church. They're interested in their own agenda. They're that same person. I'm not going to go soul-winning unless I get to decide, you know. And listen, you can soul on on your own. There's nothing wrong with that. But why can't you get on board with helping what the church is doing? So you can encourage other people. We want to have that team mentality. And it is. So give towards your own personal agenda. But we should also, as a part of the body and a part of and a, a, and a part of his kingdom, we should give towards that too. Not your own personal charity that you do or your charity that you like. We want to be a partaker of God's kingdom through the local church that he ordained and that he instituted. And if God ordained this church, if God, if God is behind this, and if, if this church decides this is what we want to do financially... You ought to participate in that. You ought to get on board with that. And so many people these days, they just have this attitude, no, I'm not, I'm not playing with the team. I'm going to do my own thing. And that's not the right attitude. That's not what we should do. And so a church can and should appoint people to be over the finances. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 8, 16. I preached a whole sermon on this not that long ago. But it says, but thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed, he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you, and we have sent with him the brother whose praises in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same God and declaration of your ready mind. What Paul's referring to here, Paul, he was taking up that collection for the saints. And so the church, they said, we need somebody that can help Paul take this abundance of, of, of treasure, these, these things, and distribute them and use them. And they, the church said, all right, you know what? We want to be a part of this work. We want to give towards this work. But you know what? Not everyone can go travel to Jerusalem with the Apostle Paul. See what they did? They sent one person. They said, we're trusting you to take care of things. We're trusting you to look out for everything. And, and so... Paul said, you know, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to go with the one that you chose. He says, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance, which is administered by us, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of man. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent and many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence, which I have in you. So basically what Paul's saying here. He says, this brother that you sent, he's somebody who's proved himself diligent. This is a guy that he's proved we can trust him with the money. He's going to handle things right. He's going to do a good job with it. Because you can't just have everyone overseeing things. You've got to appoint somebody. And here's a guy who's proven himself. Now, you know, imagine, and, and we do this sometimes whenever there's a project around the church. You know, there's been several times Aaron's done projects here. And he's the one that's doing the work. And he's, you know, getting all the stuff. He knows what's needed for these things. And, you know, we'll just give him the credit card and let him go buy the stuff. We're, we're trusting him to do that. Now, 
if you know I were to send Aaron to go buy a bunch of stuff and he's just spending a fortune and coming back with very little materials and then we send somebody else another time and they come back with even more stuff and spend less money and it's like wait a minute what all right somebody's not handling things right somebody's doing a bad job picking what to buy and then we find out you know Aaron he's going to the most expensive places that there is and just buying all this top of the line stuff that we don't really need with this other guy you know he's good at finding the deals you know and so he's he's somebody who's not making foolish purchases and things and Aaron hasn't made any foolish purchases or anything but at the same time when you know the more they do something like that the more we're like okay this is somebody we can count on this is somebody who's proved diligent and then we as a church we're like okay we've got another project we need to do you know we're wanting to remodel the foyer or something you know when we're trying to figure out how we're going to buy everything again we don't want to have a meeting for every piece of trim that we buy. We don't want to have a meeting for every, you know, bit of paint or whatever it is that we get. Do we really need to have a, a, a meeting about the brand of paint? Do we want Benjamin Moore or that's the only one I can think of. All right. I mean, you know, do we really want to do that? Or can't we as a church just say, you know what? This guy's done good before, not spent that much money, did a good job. It's okay for us to do that. And just kind of trust that person. And we see them doing that kind of thing in the Bible where the church would often appoint somebody over things financially and they would just, they would just trust them. And it wasn't a matter of everyone having their input, everyone doing their thing, everyone with their own agenda. No, the church had one main thing that they wanted to do. They all contributed and then they had somebody who was kind of in charge of distributing and taking care of things. That's the way it's supposed to go. That's the way it works in a real church. But a lot of times because people are so opinionated on weird things, they don't want to give towards the general fund and things like that because they want to be able to make more decisions and get their will done. And so they end up withholding so they can just kind of use their money for their own agenda in the church. And I'm telling you, that's not right. That's not biblical. That is not a good thing to do. And so... The reason many people don't give the way that they should is because they are not about the church. They are not about its mission. They're not about its program. They are about the congregation of one themselves. And again, if that's your attitude, you know, this isn't a good place for you to be. You're just going to kind of be a leech. You're going to be kind of somebody who's killing the unity. And we should always be endeavoring to keep the unity and the bond of peace. So, uh, you know, the big question that comes is, you know, how much do you give towards the kingdom? Okay. And, and this is where you're going to have your internet clowns, you know, telling you all these things about the tithe and how that's an Old Testament thing. And here's what they do. They say, it's amazing people's ability to say true things and yet be so stupid at the same time. And that's what they do. They, they will throw a bunch of true facts at you. But their application is so bizarre, it's so off, it proves again, they don't even know what a church is. And so 2 Corinthians 9, 6, because again, how much? Okay, you know, and, and in, the, in the Old Testament, they did have the tithes. In the Old Testament, and they had other offerings too, by the way. The tithe wasn't the only offering they had. But we do see tithing, and we're not going to go into all the scriptures. We see tithing before the law. Abraham gave tithes. To Melchizedek. What was he giving to Melchizedek? Melchizedek was doing the work of the Lord. Melchizedek was the priest of the Most High God. In the Old Testament, they gave the offerings to the Levitical priest, 
to the priesthood. Why? Because they did the work of the Lord. They, ha- they were part of the house of God. Well, who did the kingdom go from? The kingdom went from the Levitical priest to local churches. We're all priests now. We have the kingdom. Okay? And this church, this assembly, it is, it is the kingdom. And we are all a part of it. And we should all be contributing towards it. But again, how much? Well, we're not under the law. So I can't just give you any specific number. I do believe that it is kind of a free will thing. I do believe it's up to you. Uh, I, but, you know, I guess, the, you know, the question is, what does God expect? And when you see, and I, I do, I think tithe is a good basis because of the fact we do see that a lot in the Old Testament. We see that uh, before the law was given. And if you want to say, well, that's just law, it doesn't matter. I'm going to show you that's bad Bible reasoning right here. Now, look what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So again, how much is this sparingly? How do I know if I'm being sparing on this? Or how do I know if I'm being bountiful on this thing? And I do believe it's between you and God. And look what it says. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Say, well, Pastor Tommy... I have purposed in my heart to give 5%. You know what? Good for you. I mean, hey, I hope you do it cheerfully. I hope you're doing it with joy because God loves a cheerful giver. He, he really does. That's what you purpose in your heart. I can't give you a number from the New Testament. If you really, truly feel like that's what God wants you to do, then do it. I'm not going to tell you any different. I said, we're not going to check up on you. We want cheerful givers. We don't, you know what? If you're going to give grudgingly or of necessity, it's not going to really accomplish much. I would rather have a little bit of money with God's blessing on it than a lot of money without God's blessing. Because let me tell you something. Churches, the things that they have to spend money on sometimes, you know, we could be losing money in lawsuits and things. You know, you know how much, you know, what a horrible waste that would be. Get nothing out of it. Nothing. We have lawyers getting money. Can you imagine lawyers getting money that comes in our offering plate? That'd be horrible. But you know what? Stuff can happen. Somebody can come out here, trip and fall. They're suing us. Again, I, it's not about the amount of money. It's about God's blessing and God's protection on the church. So uh, let's keep reading. Verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That's what, that's what I want. I want grace abounding towards me. I want grace abounding towards this church. I want everybody giving cheerfully, not grudgingly or of necessity. I want grace abounding towards me as an individual. Because again, I could get a lot of money, but I could also break my leg. I could, I could have a car wreck. There's so many things that could just wipe our money out so fast. You could have a furnace go out. I mean, there's, there's a billion things that can cost you a ton of money. I just want God's blessing. It says that ye always having all sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. 
And so, again, this is why I don't believe we should enforce a tithe, because we don't want people giving grudgingly every necessity. We want cheerful givers. But I don't think for one second that a Christian shouldn't tithe. Okay? But here, again, there's the excuses against tithing. Well, in the Bible, they never tithe money. Or in the Old Testament, they never tithe money. First off, that's a stinking lie. Because one of the things we would see them do, when they would bring their offerings, their animals, if they lived far away, you know what they could do? They could bring money and do an exchange. You know, they, they actually did tithe of money because those things had a value to it. Okay, now listen, we'll take your sheep when you start getting paid with sheep. Right? But y'all aren't getting paid with sheep, are you? You're, you're not getting paid with vegetables and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, that's just a bunch of foolishness. That is not the currency. And if, if, you know, we, we take, you know, you know, a lot of the money, you know, probably most of the money that this church that comes in and goes out, we never really see because most church, most of the money comes in through checks and online donations and they go out electronically too. That's a different kind of currency. It's not even really currency. Our money's fake, isn't it? I mean, our paper money, it's fake. It's completely fake. But you know what? It's what we use today. It's what works. And so, you know, that's just, that's just a dumb excuse. They say that's something that was for the law. Okay? Well, here, all right. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's see if Paul used the Scriptures the same way these people do. It says, For it is written in the law of Moses... Why is he going to the law of Moses when talking about giving? Why is he going to the law of Moses when he's talking about paying the preacher? Look what he says. Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Does God take care for oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, that is written that he that ploweth should plow in hope and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we reap your carnal things? If others be partaker of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. So Paul used the law about not muzzling the ox to prove you should pay the preacher. So are we really stretching it when we see tithes and offerings in the Old Testament? We say, and, and, and especially too, we see tithes and offerings. We also see incense offerings that, were, that they did in the Old Testament that were sweet-smelling, savor to God. And then we go to the New Testament and we see them doing a financial offering and it says that's a sweet-smelling, savor to God. It looks like God still is interested in offerings. It looks like God is still interested in tithes. Because again, this is the work of the Lord. Well, but you know what? I don't see anywhere in the Bible where we got to have buildings, all right? Brian Denling, you're preaching as church buildings and stuff. And you, and you will. The same... Homeless-looking backpacker type that's on the internet, proving to everybody he knows more about the Bible than you, proving that you don't have to tithe. He'll talk about you know, you know, back in the old, you know, early days they met in caves, they met in the wilderness, they met in all these other places. You know, why do you have to have a church? Why do you have to have the air conditioning? Why do you have to have the heat and all that stuff? It's like, okay, listen, this is why I decided. If anybody ever wants to use this argument here, you know what we're immediately going to do? We're immediately going to bring you before the church. And we're going to ordain you as a pastor to go out and start what we're going to call minimalist Baptist church. And you're going to go out and you're going to see if you can get a congregation of believers together, just meet in random places, 
no building, you know, no, no materials. You know, you guys just go out, because you know what? A church isn't a building, it's an assembly. Well, go get an assembly. And, and, and in your assembly, it can't be a bunch of, you know, you know, wilderness men who are fine with doing that kind of thing. No, it needs to be an assembly of men, women, children, babies, elderly. You know, and you got to try to, and you know what? You be faithful throughout the seasons. You do it in wintertime. You do it in summertime. You do it when it's raining. And, 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 and if you can, if you, I want to see you get Minimalist Baptist Church going where you have no building, you have no bank account, you have none of these things. You all just come together, you preach, you go soul winning, and you do all the things just like we do without all this stuff that we have. Good luck getting that done. It's not going to happen. Who wants to volunteer for that job? Okay. And you are, you're going to, you'll, we'll ordain you, but you know what? If I ordain somebody and they fail, that's going to happen sometimes. And you're definitely going to be that one. <laughs> you, you know, you're de- and and I, I, I'm kind of joking about that. But you know, Minimalist Baptist Church is going to fail. It's going to fail miserably. But you do, you have all these guys talking, why do we have to have air conditioning? Well, you know, that, that's easy for me to say, you know, I'm young and healthy. I can handle being uncomfortable. But you know, we've got moms around here with little kids. We got babies that we want to be in the church with us that might get crabby if they're, you know, 100 degrees in here in the summertime or if it's, you know, below freezing in here. We've got elderly people that come to our church. Do we really want elderly people to have to fight, walk through snow and not, you know, why do we have to get our driveway plowed? You know, we have to pay somebody to do that. We have to buy salt to salt the sidewalks in the wintertime. You know, we don't want our elderly people slipping and falling. All these things cost money. And there are, there are some of us in here, we would be fine without all of those things. I could do some of that. But at the same time, do we really need to do that? Hey, why can't we? And let me tell you, if Minimalist Baptist Church ever gets started, you know what eventually they're going to do? They're going to be like, you know what? Why don't we find some kind of place we can meet in all the time? Why don't we use somebody's house? And then if it grows, oh, we need a little more room. You know, why don't we go get this? You're gonna, you know what? Eventually, if it doesn't completely flop and fail, eventually, you know what you're going to do? You're going to have a building. Eventually, you're like, well, you know what? It's kind of dangerous, you know, trying to just stash all this cash everywhere. You know, maybe we should get a bank account. You know, we need. You're going to do. That's exactly what's going to happen. So, don't listen to these people. They're, you know, what they're doing? They're making excuses to just not give. So. And Paul said in this passage too, when he's talking about if they've sown your spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, how come plumbers can send you a bill for work that they do and nobody says anything? I mean, think, how come none of you say anything when the IRS just seizes your money out of every sinking paycheck? You know what? I think we should make it where... The IRS seizes 10% and they distribute it to your local church. I don't see that legislation getting passed anytime soon, but I'd support it. <laughs> but, you know, I, but it, you know, we all don't complain about that. But as soon as a church that has a building and people who will sit in that church, who will sit in the padded seats, who will enjoy the air conditioning, who will enjoy the plumbing, who will enjoy all the things that come with it. I don't, I don't see why we should have to give to any of this. Yeah, you should give to that. Yes, you should be a partaker in that. You know what? Yes, we should pay taxes on some stuff too. I get it; they're wasting a lot of it. But you know, it, I do like driving on roads. I like that. I like stoplights that work. 
You know, I like a lot of the things. There's a lot of things our government does that's good. I know that sounds weird, but there are. I like, I like the the water that we have, the sewer, all these things. They're wonderful things, and you know, they just take that money from us, no choice. And we're all like, well, you know, they are doing all these things for us. A church. They are ministering to you in spiritual things, but then somebody dares say, hey, you know what? It'd be nice if the church could have this, if the church could do this. Oh, no. They can get by in the minimum. That's, that's a pretty sorry attitude. That's, that's not right. And so there is no doubt that while giving changed under the New... It, it did change under the New Testament, but it by no means has gone away. In fact... When you, when you read the New Testament, again, if we were just go to all the passages about giving, folks, they're going above and beyond. In Acts 4.33, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Now, we saw Paul in Galatians saying, if you're giving like you're supposed to, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Here we see a church where great grace was on them, and it says, Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands and houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And then they said, and I want to make sure I know where every single dollar of this goes. I want to make sure... No, they just laid it at their feet and distribution was made on every man according as he had need. They let him take care of it. They trusted them. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation to Levi to the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And you know what they were doing? We trust you to take care of this. And again, I don't, I don't believe in blind trust. And, and again, we do. We have accountability here, but I think it's good. I think it's biblical for a church to ha- pass a plate, have a donation box. And I believe people should give. And then that money, obviously, you should have people appointed that take care of it, that count it and that pay attention to where it goes and all that stuff. And we do all that stuff. But everybody doesn't do that. But we have people appointed. And if you're a part of that, you know, you should be thankful for that. And unless there's some reason to think something crooked's going on around here, you should just continue giving and supporting that. And God will be pleased with that. We see in Acts chapter 10, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band, called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And if you remember when we went through Acts 10, when God spoke to him, God said, I remember your alms. God said, I noticed what you're giving. Now, I don't know where Cornelius was doing his giving. He was just giving, again, how, where he knew how, where he could, the best he could. But you know what? God wanted him. In a church, God wanted him with the believers, and God noticed that giving. God didn't say to him, hey, I see you're giving your alms. Hey, this is the New Testament, buddy. You don't have to worry about that. No. God said, I, see, I see that work you're doing. God was pleased with that, and God made sure somebody got to Cornelius, and he got saved. Second Corinthians 8, 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, Moreover, brethren, we do to wit of the grace of God bestowed in the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. He's talking about a church here that was in deep poverty, but they were very liberal in their giving. And that's the one area where we're allowed to be liberal. And that's the one area where everybody wants to get real conservative. No, this is where we're allowed to be liberal in our giving. And it says, 
for their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power. They were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. They didn't have this. You know, they're like, man, we don't even want to take this money from you. But they're like, no, listen, take this. We, we, want, we want you to take it. We want to be a partaker in this. And it says, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. So he's basically telling this church here, hey, y'all are doing good. Y'all are abounding right now. Y'all are really blessed here in Corinth. This other church, in their deep poverty, man, they gave beyond what we would ever expect them to give. They gave beyond what they should have even been able to give. It was like God got involved in their giving and did something great. And Paul basically said, you know what? I expect the same thing from you. And again, I am not going to force somebody, guilt trip someone who's in deep poverty to make these sacrifices like that. You know, I, I'm not going to do that. These things I do believe are between them and God. But again, I've shown you all this to show God is very pleased with giving. God wants, the, God wants us giving towards a church, towards the kingdom of of God, and I believe he wants to give it towards your church. Well, I know. Listen, this is this is bad. There's people out there. They're going to local churches. They don't really like their church very much, so they send their tithes to other churches. Listen, that's messed up. Okay. Now, if you all want to give an offering to another church, you're more than welcome to do that. But imagine sitting in a church, using their plumbing, enjoying their air conditioning, enjoying their teaching and preaching and fellowship and all those things, and then just giving your money to the internet preacher. Man, shame. That is, that is so wrong. Oh, I, you know, I don't even know if my pastor's saved. He said repent the other day. So, Well, then you know what? If you don't think your pastor's saved, get out of that church. Truth is, you're an idiot. And you just, you're, you're there... Because somebody just told you you're supposed to be there. But, what, you know, that, that is so messed up. I, I, I don't believe that's a good thing at all. But, and, you know, some people don't know any better. But, yeah, you're a, part, you're a partaker. You're a part of this, this congregation. And, you know, and the New Testament is full of scriptures on giving. To ignore the subject of giving is to ignore a very large portion of scripture in our New Testament. And there is, there is bad teaching about giving out there. There are prosperity preachers. There's, there's preachers who take advantage of people. But that, that doesn't mean you don't, that you just go listen to the guy on the internet who doesn't know anything, who's telling you not to give to the church while asking you to support him on Patreon. I watch Brian Denlinger, who preaches against tithing all the time, get on his YouTube channel and rip his people apart because he had like 20,000 subscribers and he only had like, 40 donations come in that month. It's like, are you kidding me? I mean, it's like, and then he starts talking about all the work that he does. This is a ministry. A ministry where he has no accountability. Where there is no congregation. The guy just makes videos in his house. And he had the gall to just chew out his internet followers for only giving like 40 donations that, that month. I mean, it was hilarious. And... It, 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 it was laughable what he was doing there. 
And then, but you know, the fact that that guy has the gall to tell people that are going to a church, you shouldn't give towards that. You know, why should they pay your internet bill? You know, that's just, that's absolutely ridiculous. The church is a wonderful thing and we can, we can get sidetracked on so many different things so we can just have our will be done. But no, we want to be of one mind as a church. We want to be, we want to be united and we, and things, things, you know, they require money. You know, we have bills and I'm not, I'm not preaching this right now because of any specific need or anything like that. Or I don't, I haven't even, I don't even think our offerings have gone down lately. I think we're, you know, we're doing fine there. But at the end, you know, and it's like, oh, I can't believe you're preaching this right now with all this inflation and stuff going on right now. Well, you know what? With all this inflation and stuff going on right now, we need all grace to abound towards us. And you know, when you sow sparingly, when you sow to the flesh, grace doesn't abound. And in the Bible, we see people being mentioned, given out of their deep poverty. And there's no reason not to do that. And we ought to want to do it. We ought to enjoy doing it. It's a, it is, it's a great thing. And it's something you ought to teach your children to do. I remember the first time I made $5. My dad told me, I need to tithe. And I only had five ones. I gave 20%. I didn't really know how else to do it. I put one of the ones in the offering. But you know what? That started me on that, and I've always done it. Always will do it. And you know what? You can't, you can't make me not do it. I'm telling you that right now. You can't, you can't talk me out of it. Even if you convinced me, you know, somehow you showed me a verse in the Bible I missed. It's saying, tithing's done. I'd do it anyway. I would, because I want to. I, I really do. And so I hope that will be your attitude, and that we'll have cheerful givers. We'll be like camp meeting time. Camp meeting time, you know it's a good camp meeting when people start going to the altar during an offering. And that happens sometimes. I was watching a live stream the other day on a camp meeting, and somebody shared on Facebook, and I thought the service hadn't been going real long, but it was people were already at the altar. And I'm like, I must have missed it. And then I realized, oh, this was the offering. And I'm like, oh, man. When people go to the altar during an offering, that's when the glory spout is running. And... Uh, I don't know that I want that to happen. <laughs> exactly. But uh, those churches, they've at least figured out offering's a good time. You know, offering, you know, giving offerings to God, it is worship. You know, and so why would we have worship without giving offerings? That's the way they've always done it in the Bible. It's the way we always should do it. And, uh, you know, one of these days, I hope to see offerings like in the Bible. I want, one of these days I want to have an offering like they did to Moses Day where they were bringing so much he had to stop them. I want to experience that. I, I just want to experience like Paul did where they were like trying to stop him. They were giving so much. Like, no, please. You know, you know you're probably going to be able to talk me into taking it. Pretty easy. But at the same time, we see that kind of thing in the Bible. Old Testament and New Testament. It's a good thing. And so anyway, I hope this was a help and a blessing. So let's pray here, Lord. I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for the faithfulness and giving, Lord. It's it's amazing uh, what we've been able to accomplish here at the church, uh, your provision, and and I do appreciate people's faithfulness and their giving. And uh, I pray, Lord, everybody takes us in the right spirit, Lord, and uh, our church has been good and faithful in this area. And I pray this was just a message of of reminder and motivation for them uh, that this is a worthy cause. This is something that's worth giving to. And I pray you'll help us to be faithful uh, in this and you'll continue to bless our church and make all grace abound 
uh, in the lives of the individuals and in this church. In your name we pray. Amen.